right, guys. Okay, now all the guys in the room are like, she's going to talk about emotions. There's a girl teaching, and we're going to talk about our emotions. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be the best marriage advice you will ever get, the best friendship advice. I know y'all are like, we're not married. You might be one day. And, and I'm just going to save you thousands of dollars on counseling because this subject is everything. And whether you are someone that expresses your emotions easily and you're all over the place emotionally or you're someone who holds them all in, you are an emotional being. You were built by God to be an emotional being. Now, let me start with a question. How many of you would say emotions are bad? Any of you? How many of you would say emotions are neutral? How many of you would say emotions are good? Good, good, okay. You're healthy, you've done some counseling, many of you. Um, I will say this, largely believers in the church has been confused on that question. Are emotions good? Are emotions bad? Because it sure feels like we're all pretty jacked up with them. This is the picture I drew when I started this project, because this is what I felt. And the reason the book is called this is because this is the way that my emotions felt to me. And I think it's the way a lot of people's emotions feel to them. I remember being in the back seat. I was seven years old and I was leaving the funeral of my great grandmother, Muncie. And I didn't know Muncie very well. But I was seven years old and I'm sitting in the back seat with my parents in the front seat and I'm crying as quietly as I can, not because I loved Muncie. I mean, she was my great-grandmother. I remember she had a cuckoo clock. Like, there's just very little context I had for this woman. But I remember, I remember driving, and I remember looking out the window. I remember being seven years old and crying because I was scared to die. And I remember another thought. There was part of my brain at seven years old that was scared to die and was crying, looking at the stars and thinking about God and thinking that I don't want to die. And there was part of my brain that was saying, cry really quietly so that your parents don't hear you because they'll think it's weird that you're crying about your great grandmother that you didn't know very well. There was part of my brain that was crying for a really good reason. Like I look back at that seven-year-old Jenny and I, I tear up now thinking about her because I'm thinking, I get why you're crying about death. Like that, I don't know whether you lost a fish first or a dog or a grandparent or a parent. I don't know when your first encounter was with death, but likely it overwhelmed you. Of course, seven-year-old Ginny was a little overwhelmed. That's what I want to say to her. I want to pick her up and go, baby girl, of course you are scared of death. Let me process it with you. Sometimes I am scared of death too. But yet there was another part of my brain. And I think it's why we're all mixed up. I think it's that tornado we feel about it that was telling me the whole time, don't cry too loud because you don't want your parents to hear. I was judging that I was sad at seven years old. Are emotions good? Are emotions bad? Are emotions neutral? Now, we all know that they are causing 
a whole lot of trouble everywhere we look. We know that emotions are causing trouble everywhere we look. And so because of that, what we see is the world has said, okay, this is, this is the way it works. Um, life is, is a little bit um, chaotic and it feels like, I don't know if I believe in God, so I don't know what's coming. So this life is all there is. And then the way that I feel and what I feel inside becomes everything. So emotions become everything and whatever we feel, we chase. And that is the way that the world largely has lived. And let me just say, I don't think it's a bad plan if there is no God. In fact, Paul said, let us eat and drink because tomorrow we die, right? It's like, if this is all there is, then let's go have the best, let's meet every desire we have, every feeling we have. If there is nothing after this and it's meaningless, go have fun. Follow your feelings, follow your heart but we know it leads to destruction, right? And so the, the world is following their feelings and sometimes we are following our feelings and it is leading to destruction. And so therefore the church has responded and the church has said, emotions are dangerous. Emotions aren't reliable. Emotions aren't trustworthy. And all of a sudden we have demonized emotions. And just like that seven-year-old little girl in the back seat, we're sitting there not only feeling sad and angry and confused, but now we're also judging it. And there's a big part of our soul that's judging it. We're gonna look at two words in scripture tonight. Two words, Jesus wept. We're gonna unpack those two words tonight. But before we do, I wanna pray and I wanna ask God to transform our mind because like Grace said, I've been working on this for a year. It kind of feels like I'm coming out from disheveled papers and a mess and, and I'm nervous. I'm nervous to bring this to y'all today because I've worked on it for so long. But what I know to be true is it has transformed my life and my relationships. It has transformed it. It has changed the way I view one of these most important things in life. And so God, transform the way we view this. Redeem our view of emotions. Redeem emotions in us. Help us to see it how you see it. Help us to feel how you feel. And then help us to live out of those feelings in a healthy way. Help us, in Jesus' name. I wanna show you a picture of my family. So there's, I've got four kids and now I have a new son-in-law. And, and I remember when my daughter was was 10 years old, my oldest daughter. It was my turn to have the talk with my daughter. Y'all got me? So I have the talk with her at Sonic. I take her to Sonic and I just dropped it like a bomb. <laughs> I said, this is what happens. This is where babies are made. This is how it goes. The end. And she started weeping. I was like, that did not go how I thought. So let's go to the mall. So we go to the mall. I'm like, let's change the subject. I'm gonna go read some more books about this and how to do this better. And I'll come back to this. And so I'm thinking she'll forget it. And so we go to the mall. We're gone for two hours and we drive back into our driveway. And right before we go in, and I think she's moved on and forgotten it. Right before we go in, she grabs my arm and she says, mom, I need to thank you for what you did for us three times.
And I totally understand why we adopted Cooper. <laughs> now, sex is one of those things God made. It's one of those crazy, great things that God made that's so confusing. It's so confusing. And I'll tell you today, my daughter is married and she's sitting over here right now. And I'm sure she loves me telling you all this story. But she's married today. And guess what? Her view of sex today is very different than her view at 10 years old. And her view of sex at 40 something is going to be very different than her view of it at 20 something. And her view of it at 80 something is going to be very different than her view of it at 40 something. Because sex is a mysterious, awesome gift that God gave us that is really hard to get our head around while we're on earth. And it gets twisted and it gets messed up. And y'all, sex and emotions aren't so different. God built our emotions. He built them, he gifted them to us. And he has a plan for them. And I wanna start just with, in case you don't know theologically, in case you were like, I don't know if it's good or bad or neutral. Let me just start with, with how God feels. We know that emotions are good because we have a God that feels. So in Genesis, you see that, that emotions cannot be a sin because God is feeling like crazy. He creates and he loves what he created. He delights over what he's created. And then creation rebels and he's disappointed and he's hurt that, that creation has rebelled. And then he feels delight when Abraham and David and, and others follow him and, and submit to him. And then he feels anger. Numbers 32 says that the Lord burned with anger at Israel because they, they, he wouldn't, they, they wouldn't believe him. So there's a war going on in God. There is anger, delight, disappointment. You see all of that just in Genesis, in the beginning of the scriptures. And time and time again, we see God express his compassion toward humanity. He is regularly, in fact, the word compassion is used so often in the Bible. He is moved with compassion to his people. It says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And then Jesus comes and, and it says, even before Jesus comes in Isaiah, it says that Jesus is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then we see Jesus face the cross and at the garden of Gethsemane, we get this glimpse into this intimate moment with, with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus is troubled and he's afraid and he's sweating as if it's drops of blood. And it says that he is in agony. And that word agony in the Greek is, is it actually is translated almost every time into anxiety or fear. So you see a God that even struggles with fear. He experiences fear. Well, why on earth would these emotions be in God. He knows what's going to happen. He knows everything. He can fix anything. Why would these emotions exist? Jesus wept. It's a story. If you haven't read it, it those verses are found around the death of one of his good friends. And in in this moment where he knows that his friend is dead and he's not yet with 
his friend. He stops his people from going back. And it says in John 11 that before we go um, to Lazarus, he's going to fall asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. So he announces to his disciples, we're going to go see Lazarus and he's going to be asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And then he arrives on the scene and Martha greets him and, and she's mad. And John 11, she's mad, she's angry, and she lets him know it because if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And it is her faith that makes her angry. She's ticked. Why weren't you here? If you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And he comforts her and he doesn't scold her and he doesn't judge her. And he says, listen, I am the resurrection. He gives her hope. I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He gives her hope. He gives her comfort. Have you ever been angry at God? I actually want to pause for a minute. And I want you to think about the strongest emotion you've felt recently. What is it? Anger, fear, sadness. I want you to think of what we consider a negative emotion. When have you felt a negative emotion recently? And what was it? Do you have it? Oh, yeah, talk to me. Fear. What else? Grief. Anger. Sadness. Loneliness. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell your neighbor what that feeling made you feel. I want you to say, when I got angry, when I got sad, I felt uncomfortable. I felt happy to be sad. I mean, what'd you feel? What'd you feel about what you felt? You got it? I know, some of you guys are like, this is way over my head. <laughs> Try it. Go. All right. All right, now talk to me. What do you feel about what you feel? Stupid. Overwhelmed. Frustrated. Say it again. Hopeless. Purposeless. Anxious. Afraid of what you feel. Okay, I want you to picture your brain and I want you to picture little parts of it, okay? And I want you to imagine that there's a part of it that gets mad. And there's a part, have y'all seen Inside Out? Okay, let's picture it with all the Inside Out people. So there's a part of it that gets mad. There's a part of it that gets scared. There's a part of it that gets happy. There's parts of these brains. But then I want you to imagine an extra player 
the part of it that is beating you up for everything you're feeling. Calling it stupid, purposeless. Don't feel this way. Guys, I want you to think about the last time that you admitted to somebody that you were sad. You started crying. What do you say as soon as you start crying? Everybody does it. I'm sorry. What is that? Why? Guess what? We live in a completely jacked up world. So yeah, we've got some jacked up emotions. And that actually helps us navigate a jacked up world. God gifted us emotions so that we could navigate a mixed up world. It feels like it's all crazy because part of your brain is telling you stop feeling that way. I don't know how you're wired. Many of the guys will uh, actually relate to the way I am, but I am actually not that emotional. I am passionate. I am zealous, but I don't cry a lot. I don't like to cry. I think crying feels silly because it's in my mind, I theologize it and I'm like, you know what? It's all going to be fine in the end. So let's just deal with it right now and let's just do the best we can and let's get through it. That just makes sense to me. And I was at a little group therapy thing, which I highly recommend. It's very uncomfortable. And I don't enjoy it every time. I, I literally go and I know that I need to go and I don't want to go. But I showed up at our first gathering together and I'm sitting there and I know that when we get to this, we are supposed to share our guts out. We are supposed to show up and share our sadness and share our fear and share our anger. And I was like, this is just stupid, but I'm going to do it. And so I literally rolled up my sleeves and I went about first and I sat down and I wept. This is about two years ago. I wept and I said, I, and I'm just hitting the table and I'm saying all the things that I thought they wanted to hear, which was, why I was sad, why I was tired, why I was angry, how it felt like there were times that God had called me out on the ocean where feet may fail and they failed. <laughs> That's what happened. And I, I, I felt like God was, wasn't fair and God was asking too much. And, and I, was, I wasn't sure that I trusted him. And I mean, I just, I, I was as candid as you could possibly be. And I felt really proud because I did the thing that they'd asked me to do. And I, I stopped and they all looked at me and they started saying things like, I don't think God's that way, Jenny. I think God loves you. God wouldn't do that. And something inside of me completely shut down because I had just braved thoughts that I had never said out loud. And I had shared with them like my guts. And all of a sudden I felt like they were trying to fix me and they were judging me for feeling that way. And we had a counselor in the room and he stopped the room and he said, Jenny, how do you feel right now? How does that make you feel? See, we are really good at answering the question, what does that make you think? But we are not so comfortable or good at saying, how does that make you feel? 
And so I said, well, let me tell you how I feel. I feel ticked and I really don't want to be here anymore. And I don't want to share anything with y'all because I feel judged. And I just, I kept playing the game. I did really well. I said all the feelings and they, their faces changed and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We love you. We're, we're proud of you. Like we, I hear you. I can imagine that you would feel that way. And all of a sudden there was this safety in the room that makes me feel sad that you feel hurt. Now you gotta realize we're at three layers of feelings, okay? So I have felt, they have felt about what I felt and now I have felt about what they have felt about what I felt and now they're telling me how they feel about what I felt, you got it. (laughs) But something shifted in me that day because I am usually them. I am the one that is usually trying to fix them with truth. I am the one that is usually trying to answer the problem and fix it. Y'all, my son recently, he shows up and asks his first girl out to a dance and he is so nervous about it. And the girl said, no. So he comes home and he's really sad about it. And let me tell you what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, oh, buddy, we're going to ask the finest other girl in this school. We are going to get you, you are going to look so good on that night. Shoot, you're 15, we're going to get you a hardship license. You're going to be the only freshman to pick up their date on homecoming night. Like, we are going to win. Like, we are going to fix this problem. But that was not what he needed in that moment. You know what he needed? Me to be sad with him. He needed me to just be with him, be like, you know, man, that stinks. With stronger language. Because in those moments, something in our heart was built, built by God to mourn with those who mourn. There was something about Mourning with those who mourn that would heal our souls. And Jesus knew it before scientists figured it out and counselors figured it out recently. He knew it, which is why in the scripture it's so clear that we are to mourn with those who mourn. And so now let's go back to the story of Lazarus. Now Jesus is past Martha. He's loved her. He's comforted her in her anger toward him. And now he walks up to Mary and Mary falls apart when she sees Her friend, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He was, and I want you to see what made him cry. What made it, let's see the verse up here. What made him cry? When Jesus saw her crying, that is what moved him deeply In his spirit, he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. This is one of the most profound scriptures. And it will completely change the way you interact with humans for the rest of your life. Because we already saw earlier in John 11 that he knew that Lazarus was gonna be dead and he knew that he was gonna raise him from the dead. He already announced it. 
So this is already in the plans. It's not something that he thought about after he was bummed that his friend was dead. It wasn't like Jesus wept. Okay, I think I should raise him from the dead because I can. No, he knew he was going to do it. Let me tell you as a fixer how I would have handled this situation. Mary, quit crying. It's all good. I got you. Watch this. And I would raise him from the dead. I would not sit there and cry with her because why? He's going to fix the problem. But it isn't about the circumstances. It isn't about fixing the problem. It's not about fixing the problem. It's about not being afraid to stop and be present in the pain with Mary. What made Jesus weep was seeing her weep. And so he weeps with her. He stops himself from fixing the problem and he weeps with her. It's a completely different way of living. And I will tell you, if you are not used to doing this with people, if you're not used to doing this with yourself, it is so scary because it doesn't feel like it actually helps. It doesn't feel like it actually changes anything. This truth, beating it over someone's head crying, maybe that would change something. But does it? I'm not saying truth doesn't help. But there is something before truth is received that happens inside of us when we actually connect with another person and feel what they're feeling. So as I was doing this work, I also did the scientific work and it was so cool because what scientists realized that is that one of the only ways to heal from trauma is to connect with another person in their pain so that we were never meant to be alone in our pain. And that one of the only things that actually heals neuropathways that break because of trauma is being in the pain with someone else. And I just thought that was so cool, like to think or to picture little neuropathways like fighting their way back to each other that have been broken because of difficulty or death or trauma. They're fighting their way back to each other and, and they're trying to get back to each other and that the way those little neuropathways heal and come back together is that someone mourns with you in your pain. I think about little seven-year-old Jenny and what she needed was for her parents to hear her crying. You know what she needed? She needed for them to pull over and to explain death and to help her not feel so afraid of it. She needed in that moment connection. See, emotions are gifts from God given to us to navigate a crazy world, but they're given to us for a bigger reason than that. They are given to us to connect us deeply to God and to connect us deeply to other people. All those things when they untangle and when you get connected to God. I mean, I want you to think of, I want you to think of a time when somebody cried with you. When somebody sat across from you and they started to cry and they didn't mean to. And maybe they said, I'm sorry, but I want you to think how you felt inside when someone vulnerably shared with you and cried with you. How did you feel? How did you feel? Heard. Known. Understood. Loved. Honored. That somebody would cry with you 
And yet, why are we apologizing? Why are we judging it? Like this is the good stuff. This is the best stuff. This is the stuff that actually forges relationships. Walking through difficulty together, this is where for the rest of your life, you never want to lose that person that walked through your parents' divorce with you. You never want to lose the person that showed up at your house after your parent died, night after night after night, or after the breakup. Anything little or big that feels traumatic, our brain breaks unless someone is with us in the pain. And the beautiful thing is God knew it. And he knew that it wasn't just about bringing Lazarus back from the dead. It was about helping Mary in her pain to know that it's okay to be angry for Martha and that it's okay to be sad for Mary. It's not just okay. It's the right response to freaking broken world. Have you ever seen a documentary that had no emotion in it? It's so boring. It's the worst. And some of us are living that way. Some of us are living a numb, boring, dead life because we are scared of pain, because we are scared of anger, because we are scared of of feeling sadness, because we are scared of looking at our past, because we are afraid. And I get it. And I get it. And I get it because on this side, when you think about the damage that emotions have caused, I get it. But guys, it doesn't say don't be angry. Scripture says don't sin in your anger. The problem is not our emotions. The problem is what do we do on the other side of them? So we feel the feeling. We don't fix the feeling. We feel the feeling and we let that feeling connect us to God and connect us to other people. And as we live that way and as we do that over and over again, it is embarrassing some days. It can be humiliating to do, but it is transformative. It it changes everything. Me crying with my kid, he was fine. He asked another girl, she said, yes, it's fine. It's fine. But you know what? He knows it's okay to be sad with me. And that lets me be with him in his sadness. And that lets his little brain heal. And that is what God wants for And I know for some of you, it feels like I'm pushing you up to an abyss and you are standing over the edge and you're like, if I go down here, I am terrified of what I'm going to feel. And I don't know what's down here. Let me tell you what's down here. Jesus, he's down there. And he wanted us to know it. He stopped to cry with Mary so that you knew when you wept that he was weeping with you. He's down there. And he also has built like some handles on the side of the rock. And he's like, listen, I know it looks dark, but if you take the first step and you feel the sadness or you feel the anger, I will help you with it. I will will help you navigate it. And people are down there people that love you, that are sitting beside you, or people that you don't even know yet that want to live this way are there and they want to come around you 
All of that's down there. It's not easy. But we're going to practice right now. Everybody's like, oh, I was doing so good till that. It sounded like a great idea in theory. And we're going to try it right now. And I just want you to get comfortable. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think back to that, that feeling that you mentioned, that last feeling that you felt, the sadness or the anger or the fear. And I want you just to feel it. I know that sounds kind of crazy talk, but I want you to just feel it. The sadness, the fear, the anger. I want you to sit with it for just a second. Keep your eyes closed. And I want you to imagine that you're sitting somewhere awesome, beautiful. And I want you to imagine Jesus walks up. And I want you to imagine that he's sitting right across from you and he is watching you cry or he is watching you at the table or he is watching you be afraid. In fact, I want you just to tell him about it right now, just in your heart. I want you to say, this is what I'm mad about. This is what I'm scared of. This is what I am angry about. This is what I'm sad about. Just tell him. Now I want you to imagine how he's looking at you. What's his expression? What does he feel? Hebrews tells us, Jesus, that that you are acquainted with our weaknesses, that you have felt our infirmities. Thank you for that. Thank you that none of us ever fall asleep crying alone. 
because you are with us. And you cry with us. And I thank you that our feelings don't overwhelm you and that that they don't scare you, that they actually, it is your delight to be in them with us. It's like this honing beacon that is drawing us back to you. Like, yeah, it's broken. I need God. I need hope. It's hard. I need Jesus. It's good. I want to worship. It's wrong. I want justice. And you're all those things. You're all the good parts and the hard parts. You're all of it. And you are our comforter. And God, I know that that a life lived in the fullest is not lived numb. It's lived with all of this as you lived it here and showed us on earth, all the feelings. And yet you promise us that one day every tear will be dried and every sadness will be over and gone with you. A time is coming where tears will be no more and we believe it and yet we still thank you that in the brokenness today you have grace for us. And you want us to come to you in it. So for the hope that we have, we thank you. For the joy that we have, we thank you. And for the sadness and the tears, we also thank you. And just help us know how to live out of the way that you built us to live. Holy and loving and compassionate, worshipful and thankful, and also sad at the brokenness and angry at the injustice and scared of what is rightfully scary and yet come into you again and again and again, no matter what. Thanks for always being there in that. We trust you. Amen.